0: Artifacts Pareo comes to The Antidote. We're here with their most important band member, guitarist, raw vocalist, Jamie Davis. Thanks for coming on, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Do you want to explain to everybody why you're the most important?
1: (laughs) Oh man, I'm the most important because I uh, was available today to, you know, have the privilege to take this phone call and talk to you and uh, talk about what we have going on that we're really excited about. So that makes me the most important today. But you know that doesn't necessarily translate to every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the perfect answer, man. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to talk about passengers, the upcoming full length from Artifacts Pareo, in a couple of minutes. But I want to cover over some of the band's, I guess, distant past because it's actually been you know quite a while. It was what 2009 when you started. Right.
1: That's when we uh, released "Am uh, I Invisible," which is our first EP.
0: What was it like then as a new band putting that EP together?
1: Um, I remember that time as one of the more exciting times in my musical career, I feel like, mostly because, uh, you know, this band is comprised of two bands that played together uh, locally for several years. And, um, you know, we kind of took the the more serious halves of both of those bands and put them together and started jamming in our... uh, incredibly hot garage in the middle of July, <clears throat> I guess, of, I don't know, I, I want to say 2000, July 2008, maybe, somewhere like that. And that was a really exciting time for us because, you know, what we had been doing thus far was played out, and we were excited to take what we felt was the best from both of those bands and, um, you know, just start fresh and start creating whatever we wanted with no real agenda. Um, and then when it comes to actually recording the EPs, that was a lot of fun as well, because Jordan just started delving into what is now his means of income in uh, recording music. So Jordan, our other guitar player, you know, recorded our whole EP with a little bit of help from one of our friends. Um, and so we got to just do it at our pace, how we wanted to do it. And that was really cool for us.
0: Now, was that learning curve carrying on when you followed up with the first full-length ailments and antidotes?
1: Yeah, well... um you know, the EP, we wrote like nine songs and those were like the first nine songs that we wrote and not all those songs made it onto the EP, but there wasn't a whole lot of material to work with at the time. And then it seems like whenever we uh, moved on to the next phase in, in writing Ailments, you know, we changed practice spaces. Um, we were getting to know each other better as far as becoming friends with the the people that weren't in, in our bands already. You know, we're all kind of like intermingling um, over time and, like, started doing some of our own DIY tours. So we're, you know, bonding in those ways and um, getting a little bit more comfortable with each other to really, I think, hone in on what we were developing as far as our sound that people tend to recognize now at this point. Um, and then, you know, Chris Crumit, the guy that recorded Time and Place and Passengers also recorded Ailments and Antidotes. Um, we were already in touch with him because he mastered our EP that we recorded so we knew that we were going to him we took that way more seriously than anything else we had done prior to that you know we were going to a very serious uh producer a very well known producer that has produced several uh albums that we adored at that time so we it was definitely like a, a way more serious approach to everything and we were you know we were pretty pleased about the way it came out especially being so early on you know just everything being so fresh
0: you weren't still just a garage band at that point
1: um, not a garage band at that point, no. Like I said, we uh were doing DIY tours, landing some cool support shows here and there. No, like, legit support tours that I can remember off the top of my head, but, you know, we were starting to, to meet people and, um you know, have people reach out, saying, you know, especially once we put out Illness with Crumit, you know, working with him in itself gave us a lot of uh exposure that we didn't have before, so... That was I feel like really the turning point. We were hoping that a record deal would come immediately from ailments and antidotes so that we could have some, you know, some backup and have a team, but it didn't work out quite like that.
0: Well, I guess the big change came about for Artifacts Pereial when you brought on your new vocalist, Lucas, and then you also signed a tooth and nail in twenty fourteen for the release of Time and Place. That album made a big impact in the music scene. I mean Everyone, myself included, was like, what's this all about?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, you're right. That was that was definitely a turning point. It's actually kind of funny because our A&R guy at Tooth & Nail, Adam, whenever he contacted us in the first place, it was after Evan had left the band, but before anyone knew that Lucas was going to be in our band. So he was actually listening to Ailments, and uh, he was hearing Evan, our old singer's voice, And whenever he called us to talk to us about possibilities of a record deal, that's what he thought he was getting. And we had to (laughs) (laughs) let him know that that wasn't actually the case, but we felt like what we had going on with Lucas, you know, we felt like that was going to more than suffice for what they were looking for. You know, we say if they liked what we had going on, that they were going to love where we were going. And that ended up being the case, fortunately. Um But yeah, that worked out. But it was funny because he was looking for Evan whenever he called us or emailed us. But at that point, we did have some demos with Lucas that we could send immediately to be like, you know, this guy is the real deal as well.
0: Personally, and I freely offer my opinion to everybody, and that's the nature of this show, really is that Lucas is a better fit, I think, vocally for the band.
1: Yeah, I, I think that... I think that we would all agree with that, especially um the way things have turned out over the years. Evan uh started out as the drummer in the the bands that played together locally and then became artifacts. Evan was the drummer in his respective band and became the singer of artifacts, so it's not like he came out of the womb singing. He he had natural pitch and he picked that up and, you know, was working at it, but someone like Lucas, uh, you know, he was born with a gift and uh he ended up, you know, having a very similar vocal style to the point where a lot of people couldn't tell the difference between Lucas and Evan at first, you know, especially people that weren't avid listeners or whatever. So it it was a smooth transition, but at the same time, uh, a drastic enough of a transition to, to where more people started listening.
0: Well, something that's drastic about Artifacts is your sound, because it's totally unconventional. You know, you've got... Post hardcore jazz, prog rock, and blues all in the mix. And then there's the rapid music transitions. But with Artifacts yeah. Pareo having that unusual style, how much of an issue has it been for you to find a niche in the market that actually understands what you're creating?
1: Uh, that's, that's a really good question. And you, and you seem to really understand that aspect of us because, you know, it's definitely been a challenge. We need six different people that, um, we all like a lot of the same music, but we also have, we also come from a lot of different places musically and and everyone is involved in the writing process. So because of that, you get what you get from us. And as far as how that translates to the business side of things, it is tough because, you know, especially once we first signed with tooth and nail and put out time and place, um, we were getting put on a lot of tours that were, uh, metal acts or hardcore acts and um you know don't get me wrong a lot of the people that we support were and are amazing bands and have uh great followings and we were fortunate for that but at the same time we were definitely you know the odd men out and sometimes that can be a good thing standing out on a bill at a show but a lot of times you know it can work against you too and um just as far as I don't know, some people can be stubborn whenever they're going to see a show and they want to see a certain thing, they want to see a certain thing. But, you know, sometimes people are pleasantly surprised, and that's the cool thing, too. But, yeah, as far as placing us for, for tours and, and, you know, trying to figure out where to market us, uh, whether it be Internet or magazines or whatever, it's definitely been a little bit of a challenge that, that we're still facing right now, even a few years in.
0: Okay, then in an ideal touring world, what type of band do you want to play with?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, if we really had it our way, <laughs> we could tour with bands like, um, you know, Thrice or The Deer Hunter or, you know, Envy on the Coast if they were still a full band and, um, you know, Glassjaw or Brand New and stuff like that. You know, things seem, I don't know, they seem out of reach a lot of the times, but who knows, you know, down the road. Those those would be the obvious ones, you know, Circus Survive, things like that. And I understand that, you know, sometimes you want to not get too close to how you sound as far as the bands you support. But that's just not something we've been able to do yet. You know, it's always been the, the great contrast. But we haven't haven't really gotten into the tours where, like, we actually are compatible with every band on the bill, except for maybe some of the more grindier ones when, like, you know, bands like Stolas and uh, Idola, and us. Like, that was obviously a great fit. We're all in the same vein of uh, music. And uh, I feel like that worked well, you know, I'll be in smaller bands and stuff like that. But up until this, you know, Eye the Mighty support that we have coming up soon, you know, we've never really fit in perfectly, I guess.
0: Okay, looking back on Time and Place, it seems like the closing track from that album, Overview, was almost prophetic about your upcoming album, Passengers, since the word Overview really deals with looking at Earth from space. Uh Can you talk about the theme of Passengers?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, You know, when Overview happened, that's something I, like, stumbled across a a video of that on Vimeo and thought that that was a cool idea for a song, and, you know, Eugene had a cool piano piece, and, you know, that turned into that, and uh, I didn't necessarily plan on the next album being about that, but I just found that there was so much more to elaborate on the concept of... um, having that cognitive shift of being able to see, you know, us as passengers on spaceship Earth making our way through space or just, you know, hanging on for dear life in that vast uh darkness and uh, I just felt like there was there was a lot more to explore when it came to that and um in a way that was also relatable to time and place. To get more to the point, we're taking this idea of the overview and we're pretending like you know, there's a character out there left hanging in space, and when the intro to passengers is is called reentry, and that's meant to illustrate the reentry back to Earth. And then, you know, when you break through the clouds and, you, and you're back, you have this new perspective, and everything that you see going on in the world that you already knew was probably not right. Now you have this perspective. Where you're like, you know, this, this is way worse than we thought it was, or this is way more important than I realized before. Um, so then it's at that point that, you know, we try to song by song tackle or at least bring to light some of the things that we've noticed uh, and talked about as a band that, that are going on in the world.
0: And that's the thing that almost stands out about Artifacts pareil is that you really get into deep topics. And that's coming through again on passengers. You know, you got closed-mindedness, doubt, war. Organized religions, refugees, racism. I mean, really, is there any issue you didn't have time to cover?
1: Uh, I definitely feel like there is, but, you know, the writing can get vague enough to where a lot is still left up to interpretation. Even though we were, you know, going for a certain uh, vein for a certain song, um, just because of our style of writing in general, Lucas and mine, a lot is left up for interpretation. And I feel like that's that's probably a good thing, too, so that there's more that's relatable on a personal level, too. So even if, you know, if someone's listening to a song and they don't necessarily realize what it's about, we'd like to think that there's still something in there that they can grab onto. Um And then, you know, if they wanted to do some research and figure out what we were actually talking about, then that's, you know, that's a fun thing, too. But yeah, I think that there's plenty more that we didn't get to cover and you know, the things that you just mentioned are all pretty broad and there's there's a lot to say about all those things. So it it was it was definitely hard to get specific without leaving stuff out. You know, there's there's always going to be stuff left out because there's a lot to consider.
0: The seriousness of your lyrics really bring up a whole new point. How much fun is it with the music with Artifacts Pareo, or is it all just serious?
1: Um so, you know a lot of the times when we have these riffs and you know we start working on the instrumental aspect of these songs we don't always know what the lyrics are going to be about um, for that particular song and you know a lot of these uh, riffs get groovy or funky and maybe that doesn't necessarily display the seriousness of the lyrics a hand that are being sang over those sections but I think it's okay because those twists and turns are, are really meant to to grab your attention. And, you know, um, intensities are going to go up and down and we do our best to make sure that the more intense parts are delivering the more intense lyrics or the more, you know, intimate parts are, are, uh, delivering the more, um, pensive thoughts. But if I, I can sit here and tell you that every twist and turn was made to, uh, you know, accommodate the lyrics. I feel like it's it's almost a, a free-for-all at times, and, and that to me is, is the fun part about it. Um, while it is structured, it's not down to every bar.
0: Well, something that I've heard about your band is that how you structure the song is different from most. You actually start off with the lyric content first instead of with a riff. Well, while it does happen that way, it also happens
1: I feel like happens every other which way, too. So while that does happen that way sometimes, um, you know, Lucas and I will start writing lyrics because we know that we want at least a song to be about this and a song to be about that. You know, sometimes lyrics come here and songs here, and we think, oh, these lyrics fit well with the vibe of this song. And then sometimes it's sitting in my room playing a riff that I like. And I already have lyrics in mind and a melody in mind. And so whenever I come to the table with an idea, there's already a lyrical concept. But a lot of times it's like, you know, a column of lyrics and a column of, uh, instrumentals. And then it's kind of like, you know, draw the line, you know, across the page that matches to the audio or, or whatever, however you want to see it. Um, so it really happens every which way, but I think whenever, uh, lyrics happen first, they end up kind of, getting molded to the audio more so than the other way around.
0: Well, I think I want to get into a couple of the specific songs found on passengers. And one of those is the lead single, Soft Weapons. It deals with how forms of media manipulate and distort the truth. And of course, people's mindsets. But Mm -hmm. realistically, I mean, everyone, including musicians, you know, has an agenda. So how do you ever counter a point like that?
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so if you notice in the lyrics, there's not necessarily um, an answer as to, you know, what to do instead of, you know, letting yourself become a victim of oversaturated media outlets. Um, so, you know, while it is, you know, encouraging you to, you know, find out for yourself, you know, we're not necessarily offering uh, means of how to do so. And maybe that's because we're not necessarily sure either. But again, this is more about bringing this to light and um, making sure that people at least think about trying to take a step back and wonder if maybe they are a little bit in over their heads when it comes to the information they're receiving and really think about where it's coming from and thinking about why it's coming from there. It's a matter of raising questions. Um, You know, Lucas might have a better idea of how he feels it should be handled, but this being one of his lyrical uh, endeavors, but I'm pretty sure I can can speak for him when I say that this is a matter of just bringing it to light.
0: Well, another topic came up talking about for-profit religion on the song Static Colour. But mm-hmm. I guess there again, I've got a question. Are we talking about organized religion in general? Is this TV evangelists? How is that trying to cover that? I think,
1: again, this is a, a Lucas baby as well, but, you know, it's not like we didn't sit down and, like, you know, share thoughts on all these things. So I can, you know, speak for both of us a little bit here. But um, I think that's more aimed towards anything that that's just beyond extreme, you know, and... um also for-profit religion and how that can the embellishings that go on there and you know just kind of wondering you know about the the morals behind all that but to generalize it yes i think it's um a matter of trying to to make sure that people know that it doesn't have to always be one way or the other and that it can be very consuming just like anything else any religion and uh once people get set in their ways and uh, become extreme about it, that's when I feel like it becomes slightly dangerous. And uh I just think it's important to be able to, no matter what you uh, believe in, it's important to still have an open mind and understand that, you know, this is all a lot bigger than us. And um all we can do is take the information we have at hand and make the best decisions possible. And uh it's about keeping an open mind rather than getting, you know, too deep. Well, you know, if you believe in something, it's important to stand by that. But you know, at, at what point? You know, where's the threshold there? You know, what what are you willing to sacrifice, or who are you willing to sacrifice when it comes to you know what you believe and why you're so sure about that?
0: It's true because so often you meet people that have that rigid threshold, and they will never change. They're never going to evolve. It's always going to be that way. It's just cut and dried, black and white.
1: Right. We like the idea of. Of, of learning every day and um, the world is so vast that you know we just like the idea that it doesn't have to always be one way or the other
0: I think the 99% are really going to grab onto the song paper ruled all that's a harsh mm-hmm. true tune part of the lyrics read why try to pay debts with our blood buying a life gladly sold to us all paper made to enslave aim to shatter our light Man, that's covering some tough ground.
1: Definitely, um, and I think I think you're right. A lot of people can relate to this because greed is is all around us, and um, it's affected us all in, in one way or the other. Whether it's because you're that you're the high roller, or whether it's because you're a part of a family that was torn apart because of it, or you know, you know, the possibilities are endless there. So, um, just kind of where where we're at with especially in the United States with, you know, rich and poor and um, all the things that are going on there. It's just an easy topic to bring up right now, I feel like, and it's a relatable
0: one. You're a band member, and how many bands make any money anyway, so you can talk about this intimately?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's kind of easy for us to choose our path here and, and be poor musicians and be like, well, if you're rich, you're greedy. I mean, that's obviously not what we're saying, but uh, I think it can speak for itself. If, if anyone, you know, if you turn on the, the TV or just look around, there is a lot of money um, that could be going to a lot of different places that just isn't. And people are going to gonna do what they need to do to uh, make themselves happy in and, and more cases than not. So this is just, again, bringing this to attention, which, you know, we probably don't even have to because, like you said, the 99% can can probably feel this way at some point or another, and it just seems like no matter what is going on, when it comes down to it, when you peel it all back, at the very core of it, it has something to do with money most of the time. Well, that idea can just kind of bleed into things like, you know, religion or war or what have you.
0: Yeah, Absolutely couple of times you've brought up the word awareness. Is that really the intention then of passengers, Jamie? Is just meant to raise awareness of the issues or are you really hoping that people are gonna change?
1: Um, of course, you know, what we would like the most is for anybody to to feel like they can make a positive change, you know, after hearing our lyrics, you know, including ourselves. We don't want to be hypocrites to, to what we're writing about. And there's no way we could say that maybe we're not calling ourselves out even a little bit in some of these songs when it comes to some of these issues. And um, that would be wonderful if someone like was able to make a, make a change, even if it was just within themselves after reading our lyrics. And of course, that is the point. Now, if we can at least uh, just kind of raise that eyebrow and make someone think twice or think a little bit harder, then, you know, that's great too. Um, and also... With this concept, it's almost like, you know, we're not that far off in technology. Maybe, you know, within a handful of years, we can have a program that takes everyone up to have an overview of the, you know, the Earth. And then maybe a lot of minds would be changed that way. Could you imagine that?
0: (laughs) What about the future following passengers? Is Artifacts Perreault set to keep on trying to shake people up?
1: Yeah. And like I said... Obviously, when we started writing lyrics seriously, we knew what we were going for, but it wasn't so premeditated to where we were like, we've really got to bring up some of these racy points that people don't want to hear, people don't necessarily want to talk about. Um, that wasn't always the intention, but once we you know, thought of it, we were like, yeah, you know what, this is a means to do it. And um, I felt like it would be a disservice to not use this avenue that we have to put something potent out there even if it's something that somebody doesn't want to hear so yes as far as the future goes I think we're always going to try and you know use the opportunity that we're given to bring something important to light whether it's as heavy as, as passengers or not like there's there's a lot to talk about out there and um I understand that connecting on a on a personal level is important as well when it comes to having people listen to your music. So if we can find a way to find that, that medium of, you know, something that's relatable, but also very important, that's, that's the route we're always going to take. Um, there's love and death and heartbreak and stuff like that. Those are all very real important things to talk about as well. But these are things that have been perpetuated for a long time. If there's anything that we can think of that hasn't been as, as addressed, um, we're probably going to take that route because that just seems to be our style. We seem to like and make it harder on ourselves than we need to.
0: <laughs> Jamie Davis of Artifacts pareo has been here with us. This has been a really interesting talk, Jamie. Thanks so much for meeting with the antidote.
1: I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me.